0: Welcome to More to Come, PW Comics World's weekly podcast of comics and graphic novel news, banter, commentary, interviews, conventions, scene, reporting. I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly, editor in chief of The Beat, and I'm here. At Baltimore Comic Con. That's why there's lots of noise in the background. And I'm talking with the one, the only, the incomparable Carla Speed McNeil. Carla, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, See? (laughs) Uh Uh, uh, Carla, uh, very busy lady. Uh, You do uh, No Mercy with Alex DeCampi for Image. Uh, and you also work on Finder, which is your own long-running, award-winning, much-loved acclaim. Oh. Sci- uh, what do you call it? Anthropological science? You have a good name for it.
1: Uh, Aboriginal SF, yes. which is a modified term from the 30s, I think, or POPs. I made that up and still think I looked it up somewhere. I'm not sure. But uh, you know, the old, the old science fiction fell into two camps. It was either the hard SF, where you actually had to have a physics degree to be allowed to write it, Uh, Or it was strange alien cultures, planet-bound stuff. You know, most of my strange alien cultures are are human, but aren't they all? Right. Well, it's all a commentary on ourselves, isn't it? Most definitely. Yes. Um,
0: How do you balance all this work? What's your working? Well,
1: mm, I think it's the main thing in my life that gives me satisfaction to begin with. But um, I'm very easily bored, and so I always want to be working on something. If there's always something in the back of my head, there's always something I can get out on paper that and i really love working with writers i really love collaborating even though i love to write um i've enjoyed very much working with other people who you know do the backbone of the stuff and then i you know i do all the acting as it were yeah so you know i'm doing no mercy but i'm also doing fill-in issues yeah. on a horror comic called harold county by cohen bunn and uh and uh tyler crook is That's that awesome. at uh, dark horse That's awesome. dark horse yeah. And uh, next year, I'm going to be doing a, um, a story with Adam Warren. I'm going to do an empowered story. I gave him oh, character wow. I want. I'm going to do Sister <laughs> Spooky, uh-huh. And, you know, that's going to be fun because I don't have to draw on a model if I don't want to. Yay. Right. Well, you worked with Warren Ellis, too, in the past. Did mm-hmm. you do one of his little books for
2: Avatar I, uh, way uh, back? I did.
0: I have the artwork here for it, actually, because yeah. it's all in and one box. How which, much uh, is the pages for that story? Um, Are you selling? Do you I sell do sell them? Them. Oh,
1: yeah, I sell yeah. Them. I don't want to die like a pal. Your brother's under a great big pile of pages, really, because I do produce a lot. Uh, I generally sell pages for 120, which makes people like Terry Moore scream and say, I'm ruining it for everyone. You are kind of, but, you know, listeners, if you are listening,
0: uh, just you deserve a huge bargain. Come over to Carla's page. She's <laughs> such an amazing
1: artist, um, uh, such an amazing cartoonist, really. Uh, that was an interesting uh, uh, distinction that they made at the Harveys last night, wasn't it? I mean, uh, the fact that, you know, the difference between the best artist category and the best cartoonist category is that the best cartoonist is the one who does it all. Right, exactly. And I
0: I often do, yes. Yes. Uh, Well, at the Harvey's there was... Oh boy, where to begin? There was actually some really great cartoonists in the best cartoonist category, such as Michael Kupperman, uh-huh. uh, the, another great, uh, although nominated for some of his, you um, smaller work for higher work for Valiant, so that's a little con- con- controversial, I guess. Um, but, uh,
1: Carla, you, uh, how was the con for you here? This is always a great con. I love Baltimore Con. Uh, because, you know, I, I don't move a lot of books necessarily, but I do meet new people. And uh, there are quite a lot of people who come to this show specifically to buy art. I think this crowd is pretty savvy. And, you know, anything that's been out for a little while, they've got, they know right. about. They're looking for a new thing or they're looking for the special thing. They're looking for the handmade piece of artwork. They're looking for the special sketch. They're looking for that thing, you know, that's really, you know, right. braille. And uh and I get it you know, so in between selling art, uh which is kind of, you know, long pauses, uh I have plenty of time to go out and uh meet some of my heroes and uh, you know, run into people that I never thought I uh would meet. Right. And you know, meet writers that I wanna work with and talk to publishers. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. It's pretty so, chill and cool here. Mm-hmm. I have to
0: be honest. It's really, really nice. Um but, uh, you know, what is going on with Finder?
1: What's going on with Finder is it appears in eight-page chunks in uh, Dark Horse Presents. And I also, for those who are into that, uh, each month afterwards post it on my uh, Patreon for, uh, you know, for, for those who uh, are, uh, for those who, that is their thing.
0: Um, which it might be the- easier for some to find it on Patreon. I might have to investigate that myself because, right.
1: yes. Well, um... <laughs> Which means that since uh, Dark Horse Presents is a monthly book, that's a cap of pages, a maximum of 96 a year, which is like half of the size book that I'm used to putting out. So I've got a little bit of a dilemma. Do I go ahead and start publishing shorter stories and have a book out every year, you know, like God intended, or uh, (laughs) do I go ahead and stick to the kind of stories that I tend to come up with, which are, you know, twice that size? Because the current book uh, is called uh, Chase the Lady, and I'm essentially done with it. Right. Um, it's good to go. But the eighth chapter of 18, you know, I think just dropped in Dark Horse Presents. Right. Next year's my 20th anniversary.
0: So this book only comes out monthly. Let's be... Right, so you only get the eight pages. So what you're saying is that even though you're finished with the story, it won't come out for another year,
1: at least. And next year's my twentieth anniversary, Mm -hmm. and not having something special for your twentieth anniversary is kind of like not throwing the bouquet at the wedding. Yeah, nobody wants this thing. So you know, I either have to step on the gas and put and have that book come out earlier than it's intended to, or come up with something else. Yes, yes. Well. Uh, again, if you're listening, let's figure out
0: that something else because it is, is there, what do you twentieth anniversary? Oh wow, boy, I Carla, I remember you when you were the best newcomer. <laughs> I think I gave you an award for it. Good God. Yeah, uh-huh. well, uh-huh. you know, time flies. So. Don't it, don't uh, yeah. it just. Yeah. You know, Carla, there's been a lot of talk lately about problems with the industry, you know, mostly on the okay. business side, whether we need new distribution channels, or new models. Do you, do you follow that at all? Are you like, uh, I have gotten
1: have... sadly out of touch with oh, that okay. since I, uh, since I well, since I started doing so much more art and so much less work on the distributive side of things. But you know? I mean, don't you think that almost is the your own answer? It's like you're really too busy right now to worry about fretting, you know. Which so is, you, But it's you- probably a mistake on my part, because when you're a self-publisher, you really do have to know every part of the business. Mm-hmm. The part of the business that I was not as good at as I needed to be to continue is marketing, self-marketing. Right. I mean, I can hand-sell to anybody. But looking at the big picture and keeping the, keeping things happening so that other people outside of shows know what is going on with me, that is what I was not good at. Right. And, uh, so so when, you know, continent shifted and slid in my personal life and it was, uh, you know, uh, some family concerns made it more difficult for me to keep on top as well as I was, which is to say not very well. Uh, it, it really was a benefit to me to have a publisher. Right. That was my reason for moving away from self-publishing, not because I thought it was a bad business model. Right, right, right. Um, but It does also mean that I, as a creator, am not as in touch with the the details, because I don't
0: have to be. Right, that's true. And I think that, you know, there's so many levels, uh, uh, there's so many different levels to the system, you know. So now you, you know, you have a little bit of security and, you know, not as much nitty-gritty, which... Uh, you know, I might be biased, but I do think your time is best spent entertaining us with your
1: gorgeous drawings and fascinating stories. Certainly, <laughs> I am better at that than marketing. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there's no shame. No, I'm not ashamed of it. I just, you know. Because you didn't hire someone, they hired you. And now yeah. you get money to do oh, what true. you're good at. <laughs> So it sounds like a pretty good system. That's a know. pretty good match. And, yeah. you know, um, I, it's, it's kind of perfect, really, because even though that means my book is coming out a bit slower than I might like, it means I've got plenty of time to, uh, to to spread out and find some new dance partners. Right, right. You know, right. Um, when, while signing books for uh, for the Archie yearbook here in Baltimore, I met a bunch of the writers over there, and you uh, well, heck, I can do Archie. I would have me. fun doing it. <laughs> so you never know. You never know. I, I like I like oddball projects. You know, or things that are oddball compared to my work. You know, I mean. Right. I've, uh, I've done My Little Pony, I've done Avatar, uh, you know, I would love to do a Steven Universe comic. Ah! Because yeah, right. I love, love, love me some ah, Steven Universe. Alright, well, boom. Archie,
0: please, uh-huh. uh, you yep, know, yep, if yep. you're listening to this podcast, you can <laughs> come over, buy some really cool <laughs> Carla Steven art, right. support her on a Patreon, and then you can hire her to write some stories. And draw some stuff. And draw them too. You know, so, pretty much let me the package here. Well, Carla, we're gonna let you get back to, uh, to interacting with your fans here, and, uh, uh, here at Baltimore Comic Con, but thanks so much
2: for taking some time to, to talk to us. Thanks for having me, baby. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor at Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com/slash comics. Well, we're recording live on the floor of the Toronto Comic Arts Festival. Really, the most awesome comics festival in North America. Uh, it takes place in the, in the Toronto, uh, reference library. And, uh, one of the things I'm getting, I have the pleasure to do of is of interviewing again, even really, uh, he has a new issue of Pope Hats. Out. I think Pope Hats fans around the world are rejoicing. <laughs> Ethan, uh, thanks yeah, so much for being on. More thing. to come. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks again, for having me. well, um, I just got it. Yeah, as you said, my wife got a copy of it, and so I kind of stole it from her. And I only read like the first couple of pages, but once again, I'm really thrilled. I, be- I mean, you you become so involved with your characters, man. We have to remind ourselves that they're like it's fiction. I, think I guess. They, no, it's
3: true. Uh, I mean, I I can. Uh, I can respect the boundary between fiction and my real life pretty easily, but the fact that it takes me so long to write these stories and they kind of stew in my mind for so many years, uh, uh, I think it affects the way it comes out. So it seems very kind of uh, introverted sometimes, but but definitely, uh, you know, the characters are, are kind of almost
2: real to me. Well, I think they're almost real to a lot of people. Um, maybe, and maybe that's, I mean, that's—I mean—you truly bring these. Characters to like, which you're writing and you're drawing. Yeah. Um, uh, well, uh, let's just go over a little bit. So it's sure. once again, it's uh, 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 Francis. Uh, the uh, Francis Garland
3: is a young woman who lives in Toronto. She um, she works as a law clerk in one of the uh, large corporate law firms downtown in Toronto. And uh, her roommate is Vicky Griffin, who's an aspiring young actress, and at the at the point that we get at in uh, Popeyes number five, Vicky has actually moved to LA to yeah. become a pretty successful actress, which is kind of a surprise to everyone. And so uh, the story is kind of about how friendship changes over time, mm-hmm. and and
2: you know whether friendship can can uh, survive long distance. Yeah, um, you know, Francis is uh, kind of super smart, also super likable, but she's in this cutthroat, you know. Law firm, uh, kind of the assistant to the big, you know, the big. Uh, how do you say his yeah, name?
3: Castan, Castan,
2: Castongu- 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 Okay.
3: Yeah, it's a it's a mm-hmm. French name. Marcel Castanque Castongu- yeah. is uh, a managing partner at the firm. You know, he has the corner office, and he's yeah. been there uh, for quite a long time. So he has his odd eccentricities that he gets away with. Um, but uh, it's it's kind of an odd dynamic that I I found myself in a lot of people uh, around me in uh, in our early 20s, you know, we end up in these very, very serious careers and it becomes a bit of an existential crisis when uh, you are offered promotions. It, it's just uh, you have to kind of consider whether it's something you want to follow up on. Mm-hmm. And how committed you are to the life.
2: So um, hopefully, it's something that uh, readers can relate to. Yeah, because I, I see that's one of the new plot threads. Uh, there may be a promotion yeah, in here. Yeah, I mean,
3: it's almost backwards because the the crisis is is not inherently negative. It's you know, it's, it's dealing with uh, you know positive opportunities. Uh, Vicky has the opportunity of following her dreams uh, to be an actress in, in Hollywood and uh, the question is whether that comes along with some risks itself mm-hmm. Frances and other people in her um, shoes uh, you know if they do well if they work hard they'll be offered promotions at, at these large competitive firms, and, and you know that could be a good thing, but it could also not.
2: Sure. Uh, there's also another tension. There's some social tension between uh, Francis and Vicky, as uh, um, uh, Francis seems to be hanging out a lot with... Uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Peter. With Peter. I mean, uh, it's, it's up in the air where it's going, but, yeah, uh, I think it's but not, there was a comment earlier. on. a of a
3: cliche. It's like um, they're uh, Francis and Peter, a friend who she probably met uh, through Vicky. Um, are sort of going out? It's complicated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, that's sort of a, a subplot in the series. Uh, that's um, it's kind of like uh, I'm not so sure what it's like to be single today. But um, I'm writing it as if I, you know, as if the sure. character Francis was, and and I have an idea of how it might be. Um, you know, people are a bit more sensitive about committing sure Um, but it's it's kind of one of those relationships so you get to see over the course of Pope number five where their relationship ends up
2: but I mean we're we're just giving you the outlines of this I mean what I think makes this comic so special is the I mean your skill at making uh, your readers connect with um, these characters who uh, certainly Francis very often is really trying to examine her life and what does this mean but I, even this description, I think, doesn't do the texture of your heart well. Um, you have to be experiencing to see how this stuff flows over you and brings you in. Uh, I don't Make know. Sure. I think
3: you're overstated. Uh, so. That may be the true, but
2: that's what fans do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's very nice of you to say. So I how think, long is it? I, I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah. How long has it been since the last issue? I think it's been over two years. Yeah. I, I plan to finish it quite quickly. Um, you know,
3: you'd think that it'd be quite an easy uh, project to do because the characters are formed, Um, you know, the storyline has already started off, the previous issue would be the middle of the story, so it's just kind of tying up loose ends. But when I was writing it, I found uh, I had a very hard time being satisfied with what I was writing, and I ended up writing two full complete scripts and then throwing them out and then starting from scratch so that's kind of what uh, I had a lot of lost time considering that hiccup but um, in the end you know when you take that fresh start it's actually not painful at all it's as soon as you start writing something that's closer um, to what you had in your in your mind it's just refreshing it's, it's it's kind
2: of invigorating and your drawing style too is also I mean it's, it's this interesting combination of cartooniness uh-huh. and Naturalism,
3: yeah. as well. I mean, I, mean, I use a, a lot of rulers for the straight lines <laughs> of like skyscrapers, but also I use brushes for the the curvy lines. Uh, I like to balance the two. I mean, the only thing I really want to get across is just clarity of what's happening. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, everything else is just kind of a flourish. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I appreciate. I mean, I appreciate artists that can do a lot with very little, and I almost like like feel like. Ideally, I would have a lot less going on in my well, heart.
2: Well, it's interesting. You you have a real balance. I mean, while it's interesting that your your pages are they're relatively spare, there's still a lot going on in them. I hope so. Yeah, I yeah. have no idea how yeah. people. Well, I'm telling you. <laughs> <React to it. laughs> At least me. Uh, and 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 the the cover cover is really great too. I mean, Thank you. Really I, I have to say that. Yeah.
3: Um, a dream of mine came true. Uh, in the back of my mind, I had this idea that um, for Coppats 5, a perfect cover would be a very simple drawing by me, but painted by Maurice Velcu, ah, who's a Toronto artist that sure. I,
2: I admire. And who's and beautifully colored.
3: You're yeah, sure. and, and I, you know, I don't know him. I, I've said hi to him in the past. I don't know him personally at all. And then I became friends with someone who uh, grew up in the area that Maurice lives in, Toronto. So, you know, we were kind of talking about him casually. And it was just an idea I had in the back of my mind, but it kind of it felt like it was getting closer and closer to reality. And then I just decided you know, I'll just send him an email out of the blue. Cool. And he totally agreed to it. Yeah. And, and he sent me two versions of the cover, both of which were beautiful and totally different. Oh, wow. So it was just a dilemma of you know it was a a dilemma of riches. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, um, well, it's an embarrassment of riches for sure. uh, For us, for the fans as well. Well, I mean, well, I read. I I actually skipped ahead and read some of the letters uh, in the back of this one, and I think these letters they're saying the same things that I'm saying now. (laughs) They're just like, Gaga.
3: You know, it's it's a weird thing about letters. I I like to include them because. it almost feels more like you're a part of, like when you're reading them as a reader, mm-hmm. it feels like you're a part of the artist's own autobiography. You can kind of see sure. how mm-hmm. they change over time. And um, the letters are also kind of a mixture of people I know. Sometimes I remove their names and mm-hmm. uh, artists I really admire. So it's like, I'm usually a really private person, but I think that's the one aspect where I like to just like share whatever I have.
2: Here, you go. Here yeah. you go. Well, uh, well, uh, the, the great thing, of course, is you share this great, uh, great book with us. Um, uh, fans like me, I mean, we, it's great. It's an event when a new issue comes out. Uh, it's really terrific. Uh, and now we're just drum our fingers and wait for the next one to come out i yeah. mean how uh, how close is the story i mean is this a dumb question how close are I we think, to well i think the idea is that you're this wrapping is, it up if that's I, like i know
3: that you haven't read it i think the idea is that this uh this portion is the conclusion to this story mm-hmm. um when we collect the book i have some thoughts of what i might do with it but it might just be uh the last uh, issues two three and five together but we'll see
2: okay it's just such a wonderful issue i mean i, I, I know i'm gushing so i'll stop <laughs> thanks so much <laughs> yeah Ethan, uh thank you for being on more to come
4: this is kate jimms i'm here at new york comic-con on sunday in the dc booth with marguerite bennett hi and tell me a little bit about what books you're promoting right now at the con. Oh sure. Um, So right now my lineup uh, is uh, for DC Comics is for Batwoman and DC Bombshells um, and DC Bombshells United, which is the new number one uh, relaunch of the series. So can you tell me like how a bit about Bombshells and then a bit about how. Bombshells United differs from Bombshells. Absolutely, uh-huh. So um DC Bombshells, have uh, the conceit of the whole line is that it's all of the major DC heroines in this alternate history, World War II. And in the first um, series, you know, it was this massive world building, and I really I was very particular, I was horribly picky, um, uh, about how I wanted uh to, you know to detail the rules of the new world and I wanted to make very clear that all the women came first And that it wasn't You know Something where it was like Oh well the men uh, Died Or went missing one day And so the women Had to fight That it was you know They wanted to fight You know And so, and so they fought like, They chose They rose up um, and I also want to make very clear in the opening, um, you know, issues that no heroin is derivative of a male counterpart. Our very first page shows um, 10-year-old Bruce Wayne, you know, out walking with his parents on the way to see, you know, Zorro, and we started with this, like, super cheesy, like, radio serial announcer, and he's like, out front an the innocence of a stroll, you know, from the darkness, suddenly <laughs> go chill with a machine gun, and, you know, and then, like, who is that mysterious madam from above? And, then, <laughs> that, and rescues yeah. Bruce. Absolutely. And so that kid grew up healthy and happy and stable. And so there's, you know, it's a world with you no know, Batman. It's a world, you know, where the heroines were the ones who were there. And um, you know, from it didn't there, need a Batman. Yeah, exactly. And so we spit off them there, um, and each heroine got her own genre and her own chapter, you know, to define this complete universe. And so, you know, so Batwoman stays is the, the the cheesy radio adventure reel. You know, Wonder Woman's a war story, Aquaman's a romance, is a horror film, um, and you know, just like fleshed out this complete universe. And um, you know, went on for, you know, uh, I mean, originally, you know, when they, they first greenlit it, they were like, you know, just so you know, like we we know you're really passionate about the series. Be prepared, you know, we might have to post it out of six issues, and just just get ready for cancellation. And then, you know, the fan enthusiasm and the readership response was just, just blew us away. And we did bombshells for over a thousand pages. You know, we, we did over 30 issues at 30 pages apiece. And, I mean, it was just, it was enormous. You know, we have five trades out, like it was just a phenomenon. And, um, you know, so with the, the success and, you know, the victory of this world, we wanted the chance to bring it in, you know, to, to get to share it with new readers. Um, and create, you know, a great jumping on point and a new number one. Um, that's sort of the act two, you know, so it's nothing redundant for people who have already enjoyed the series But it functions as a great place um, to bring people in who maybe haven't been so familiar with the characters But it's doing something very different with mm-hmm. plot, too Do you talk about that? Sure Um, You know, with the refocusing with this new number one, it was sort of this opportunity to the second chance You know, so with the, with the first series, I was so focused on the world building But this, I wanted to be very focused on what we were saying like Why we were telling these specific stories in this specific way And, um, you know, so we open up, you know uh, you know, with Wonder Woman fighting some mysterious enemy, but you're used to her, you know, in, in France and in the in the, the pines and the mist and um, in the trenches, but instead we open up with the Arizona desert. It's like what's going on here? You know, we, we pull back to her fighting these tanks and you're like, Is 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 America been invaded? And you realize they're American tanks and then you see the trains rolling through the desert and you realize it's the first day of Japanese internment. And so we wanted to refocus on Japanese American heroines. You know, so, so we, you know, in, in this of bombshells, Donna Chari and Cassie Sandsmark and Yukinura Katsura, um, and, uh, Emily Sung, um, you know, are part of the Japanese American and Asian American community, um, in Los Angeles along the east, along the west coast. Um, and so we wanted to have, you know, this whole idea of the second chance of, you know, if you had the opportunity to go back through your own cultural history and choose differently, knowing what you knew then, you know, knowing what you do now, what would you have done? You know, not just on the battlefield, just as a civilian. You know, amid this crisis of conscience, um, and how that would have changed the world that you live in, and how that would have changed the world that your children inherit. Well, I mean, that's that's really amazing. But I kind of wonder, like, how do superheroes fit into this? This seems like more of like a political problem. Mm-hmm. How how did you figure out like how to make this a superhero problem? That is a mystery. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. So if you could. Talk a little bit about um, your history in comics and how you came to the place of doing bombshells and maybe how you came up with the idea. Oh, sure. Um, you know, I'm actually just, like, sort of riding on the shoulders of giants at this point. Um, Jim Fletcher and At Lucia uh, designed the fantastic bombshells, on, like, you know, first, like, the, you know, the Wonder Woman's, like, the breaker of chains, um, and I was such a huge fan of their stuff, and I was very vocal about it, you know, on Twitter, just, like, you know, talking in the offices. Um, and uh, back in, obviously, uh, 2014, DC did uh, a variant month where all of the standard Me 52 titles received a bombshell variant, and um, they sold, like, hotcakes, and, you know, the fan enthusiasm was there. Um, you know, we'd go to shows and there would be all of these Bombshells cosplayers, and DC was like, you know what, they, they really seem to enjoy this, let's give them what they want. Um, and so they were looking around to do a digital-first, um, you know, universe, you know, to like for the series in um, a place to showcase the heroines And I was just, you know, in the back of the classroom Bouncing with my hand bare, all Hermione Granger um, And so Jim Chadwick, uh, yeah, called me up in September 2014 And asked me to pitch And I think they were expecting maybe like two or three pages Maybe four, and I turned in 18 <laughs> And just, um, you know, hit the ground from there um, And can you tell our listeners a little bit about Some of the other comics you've done? Oh, sure um, So right now I'm working on uh, a Batwoman um, With my brother-in-arms in comics um, James Ty and the IV and uh, Batwoman is my favorite heroine, bar none um, And so we really wanted, uh, you know, to go back through her series um, You know, if you're familiar with the character, or if you're not um, You know, Batwoman, uh, Kate Kane, is Bruce Wayne's cousin um, And she is, you know, a proud lesbian, ex-military, um, you know, Jewish woman And um, Greg Rucka uh, first introduced her when I was actually in high school And I remember where I was, like, you know, when it, because it was, you know, such a big deal That yeah. was going to be a mainstream heroine like this and um, like, I went to the bathroom and cried. Like, I was such a nerd, but I was so happy to hear that there was going to be a queer superhero like this. Um, and so, like, I fell in love with her. Like, you know, she's just my favorite heroine, bar none. Um, and so it was just so shocking, you know, that I got to, to, to grow up, you know, that, like, I, I like, 18-year-old Marguerite would not have believed me <laughs> that this was gonna be her life. Um, and so within, uh, the original run with Greg Ruckert and J.H. Williams III, um, you know, there's this period, you know, where Kate, uh, after she's kicked out of West Point under Don't Hotel, like loses her sense of self and it's like, you know, this this was the this was the dream. This was everything that guided my life so far. What do I do now? And like she sort of disappears for this year. And so we wanted to go back in our own run, um, under rebirth and explore what had shaped her what had happened within that that brought her back as that one. And so um, our run, uh, you know, beginning um, with uh with the rebirth issue from February with C defting, um, you know, gives people sort of like, you know, like, like here's everything you need to know. Here are all the puzzle pieces. And I get to see how we're going to put them together. Um, And so, you know, it's been this, uh, you know, Batwoman is, like, international woman of mystery. And it's just sort of got, like, these Casablanca, Indiana Jones elements and, like, sort of this James Bond. I mean, it's all, like, using her black ops and paramilitary training um, to go around the world and chase down the things that have escaped Batman's jurisdiction. Um, So it's all of, you know, these, these things that, you know, even within her own life, you know, where she visited these places previously and she screwed something up. She failed to complete a mission. And now all of these failures, you know, are sort of coalescing um, and coming back, and this is the thing she has to take responsibility for and answer for. Um, but, I mean, I know we're at the DC booth, mm-hmm. but talking about your career as a whole, can you talk about some of the other things that you've done over the years? Sure. Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, I've done some work for Marvel, um, and I do uh, right now two creator-owned series through a publisher called Aftershock. Um, one of which uh, is Insects, which is a much more mature adult um, historical horror slash erotic comic, comic um, about a pair of Victorian lesbian lovers who discover this form of body horror that lets them go on a revenge killing spree. And the other series that I do is called Animosity, and it's about uh, this apocalypse story um, that's about uh, sort of one day, for no discernible reason, all the animals come online. They start thinking, and they start talking, and they start taking revenge. It's this huge, over-the-top series, like, cows rebelling their slaughterhouses, hens murder the crud out of their roosters, Um, the whale at SeaWorld rises up out of the pool, like, all jaws and foam, and slams his slipper down, his trainer's screaming, and he goes, Jessica, I can't deny my feelings for you anymore. And it's this ridiculous, over-the-top, black comedy, and then right in the middle of this just absolutely chaotic, absurd world, we have this girl and her dog in New York City. And, you know, she's had him since he was a puppy. Like, you know, she raised him, she took care of him, you know, she was the mom and he was the baby. And then his lifespan though is much shorter than hers because a so he, dog. Exactly. So when he comes online, he's an adult. Yeah. But she's still a kid. And in all the violence and the chaos, you know, her parents are in the picture pretty quickly, and suddenly he's left as the father to this human child that so, raised him. But he has to understand that, you know, that his life expectancy is so short, he's not going to live to see her grow up. And so he has to find a way to keep her safe. So they start this road trip from New York City all across just the insane chaos of this continent to San Francisco, where her estranged half-brother lives. And so this is the thing that he loves completely. Like, this is the one thing that he's always cared about, that she's the defining light in his life, but also the entire momentum of his life is to let her go, is to give her to someone else. And it's just, it's a series all about love and responsibility and animals and just growing up. And so, you know, so it's its its funny, it's dark, it's emotional, it's messed up, and I really enjoy it. <laughs> and I hope folks do, too. So how has your New Year Comic Con been for you this year? Chaotic, but wonderful. Couldn't ask for a better one, honestly. Can you expand on that a little? Um, I mean, mostly it's just, you know, I've been meeting folk in panels. I'm not sure it would be a terribly interesting story. Fair enough. Um. So, you have a table down in Artist Alley. How have sales been for you? I mean, everyone's you know so supportive of the show, and but like really, it's not so much about sales; it's about meeting people and getting to have a connection mm-hmm. and getting to talk about the work and you know share the enthusiasm. I mean, so often you know comics sort of get painted with the brush of you know of toxicity or negativity. You know, like you know some of the Twitter Twitter is assessed that Yeah. Um, But, you know, coming here and getting to sort of celebrate the community and make these personal interactions, to hear what, you know, stories mean to people, to get to share, you know, with them the things that, you know, you have in common, the fandoms and the books that you love, um, it makes it all worthwhile. Thank you so much. And do you have one thing that you would like to tell our listeners? Anything Uh, you want? Pick up Squirrel Girl. Try Squirrel Girl by Ryan North and Erica Henderson. It is a joy. Thank you so much. Absolutely.